America. This is Uncle Sam with Music and the Truth Until Dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. Hey, and welcome everybody to our Daily Gun Show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern. That's 9 Pacific. We talk about guns for about an hour. We uh, run it live on YouTube. We simulcast it on gunchannels.com. Gunchannels.com is a community that we built five years ago now. So a bunch of people that are interested in firearms. We have conversations there 24-7. We run shows like this over there. So if you're uh, just experiencing this on YouTube or iTunes or soon iHeartRadio, then uh, we... I encourage you to check out gunchannels.com uh, for some firearms-friendly uh, community. We've got people joining us tonight. We've got Angelina, one of our regular hosts, joining from California. Thanks for joining. Hello from Fiery, California. Uh, and that probably started from gunfire because they're violent. Then mm-hmm. Dano jumping in, another host from Illinois. This is a rare opportunity to have Dano on a Friday. Thanks for joining well, he's getting coffee. So then we got Gunsnob. Let's go down to Oklahoma and say hey to Gunsnob for jumping in. Hey, thanks for the invite. And then uh, we'll head up to Kansas and say hey to Gary for joining. Hey, thanks for the invite. We've got a couple other, you know, no problem. Thanks for jumping in again. And we've got links out there if people want to join in, kind of doing the uh, new schedule here where uh, we kind of have an open panel discussion with some a wide variety of regulars and anybody, not anybody that's new. I'm not going to say that. I'm not Matt. He enjoys having wild cards in. I don't. But I do like having a conversation with guns. Anybody that's interested in having a conversation and is interested in joining, let us know. And more than happy to have you on. Uh, soon we'll be starting the uh, noon time uh, uh, daily gun shows and uh, we'll talk more about that next week. Anyway, today is Friday, so we usually talk the uh, gun tech and the industry. Uh, on Fridays, and it's, uh, oh, I always forget to say it, but it's also uh, Free Patch Friday. So over on gearwebsites.com, that's our store, uh, we offer free patches for any order. You don't need any coupon codes. You don't need any minimum orders. There's no procedure or anything. Any any order you do on Friday gets a free patch, and if you order a bunch of stuff, we're going to give you free patches, you know, more than one free patch. So it's our, our way of saying thanks to the people that purchased from the store. And our store is one of the ways that we keep our projects going online. So, again, thanks to the people that participate that way. Um, Friday, we're talking, I've been trying to talk and type at the same time here. So, I'm trying to open up the schedule because we do have some topics tonight. And it'll eventually open from the computer here. So, I have. Uh, you're back. Uh, yeah, uh, guns in everyday life. No, you got it. Thanks. And then um, what are FFLs? So two topics that we're recycling from the olden days. I don't know if these are topics Daniel remembers, but uh, it is Friday. And more importantly, it's August 10th. August 10th is a significant date because today in 1984, the best movie ever made was let loose to the public. And we all had a chance to experience it. So uh, we can always just talk about that only tonight if you want. But we can also talk about these topics. Um, looks like Cycle is getting something going on the desk there. Working on your star. Mm, yep. Cleaning, repairing, what are you doing there? Cleaning, yeah. From what I found out from when I shot it, and it was a little 
screwed up inside, so I thought I'd take it apart. How does everyone feel about that metal gun coming in a plastic box? It's got to that's got to really be kind of a, ironic. Yeah, a real issue for some people. I'm thinking. Why plastic guns don't come in metal boxes? Well, I do have to say that the plastic boxes are superior to the cardboard ones that like came apart like just as you got them. I don't want to agree with that. Uh, the Glock type of plastic seemed to last a while, but some of them old brittle plastics, I mean, they last for a while longer than a box, but as soon as they fail, they, they're gone. You can't salvage one of them. You you're, you're right. The ones that are not that are brittle, uh, yeah. they're not impact resistance. They will crack very easily. But I remember like the Smith & Wesson boxes, the, the, the paper ones with my 686. Uh, I mean, they use tape, uh, like one piece of tape at the corners to hold cardboard together. And if there was any minimal amount of force in a different direction, it would tear. Oh, that's now pristine box is now less than pristine. So that's a topic, I guess. We're talking industry and talking tech. So the boxes that they come in, I mean, I'm guessing back in the olden days, you were paying a pretty penny for a new piece of technology. I expect the, the packaging was something that they put some thought into because, you know, it would add to the value or whatever. But then I suspect somewhere there, the packaging became less of an issue, right? Because as costs come up or whatever, that's a thing you can sacrifice. And now it seems like packaging is very rarely even thought of, right? It's like you say, sometimes it's right. like a paper box or something. A lot of times there's no tape at all. It's just like folded. It's and, like three boxes. Uh, an, another type of box that I've seen in, in museums, uh, and I don't know if it applies how universally this is, but we're, you know, back in, let's say the 1800s, where they would take a small box with like quarter inch uh, sides uh, with some small, let's say half inch by half inch uh, sort of uh, strips of wood, uh, tap them together. And then they would use uh, wood, uh, it's like, I don't know how to describe it other than, uh, it's not sawdust, but it's like wood straw long pieces of wood that shavings that would come off of a piece of wood and they'd all be curled and all that and they would use that as padding both on below and above the product well yeah like, before they came out like, with styrofoam stuff yeah it was almost like shavings or something like if yes. they would, yeah and i don't know was that like waste from an actual production and they were just making use or were they wasting a bunch of trees just to curly cue them up do you think I don't know. I would assume that it was like, hey, we need to pad this thing somehow. Rather than make a more custom box, let's make a general purpose box, but then put all this waste product in it, and they just wipe it off when, when they get it. Are my sound levels okay, or do I need to come up a little bit? A little bit if you can. You're, you're oh, I, I, got, I got plenty of room on the mixer. Is that okay. better? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So um, when you buy a gun, how big a percentage is the box packaging or others? Well, the box in particular. So if the gun comes with like a, a safe or if it comes with some sort of a holster type of gizmo, we're not including that. We're just talking like basically marketing, packaging, you know, that kind of thing. How much of a decision is the box percentage wise when you're making a purchase of any kind of gun? Uh, we'll start with Angelina. Uh, can you do me last, actually? Oh, so cycle zero. It's a it's a very pleasant surprise if I happen to get a firearm in a really nice box, but unless it's a presentation style weapon, I could care less. 
Well, okay. Well, I'll let everybody answer, and then I'll we'll go back and get the nuance. So, Gary. Uh, zero for me also. Uh, my case is going to stack on top of the closet. That's about the last time I see him unless I go to sell the gun or something like that. Well, we'll go to Anno next. Uh, it would never stop me from purchasing a gun, but it is nice to get a gun that also, uh, the, the case that it came in also functions or doubles as a carrying case to the range. So I don't have to buy that extra box. All right. And with just a little bit of engineering, you can make a packaging box also a go-to-the-range box. Not always, but I guess, yeah, you're right. It's potential. Um, so and I don't think it's universally true. Right. Um, um, pretty much zero. I do like it when they come in a decent plastic case, but it's not a big deal to me because those usually just sit around and never get touched. Uh, Angelina? It used to kind of be a big deal to me, but now I don't really care. All right. Well, then I'm not sure if anybody just didn't think of this or if I'm just that cheap. But to me, uh, you're right. I don't care if the box is, is much about the box as far as the, you know, the gun is what I'm buying. But I will definitely think twice about a gun if it looks like I'm paying too much for that box. I've seen a couple of FNs and things that come in like little sewn cases and stuff and that bugs me because you know they're paying another hundred bucks or more because of this package that i don't want like some kind of nylon sewn garbage that you know i'm never going to put the gun in again and i got to keep it because if i'm ever going to sell the gun they're going to want that stuff so for me if there's too much packaging or it looks like they spent too much money that'll turn me off not that i buy a lot of guns but no, and nobody's nobody's concerned when there's too much effort too much money spent on that package Well, I mean, it all comes to the bottom line is the cost of the gun, regardless of the packaging. And now if they want to, let's say last year they sold it the exact same gun in a cardboard box, but this year it comes in a fancy, you know, nylon case with a zipper, but it's the same price. Um, then that means that they had a high enough markup on it that they could afford to do that and still make a profit. But yeah, uh, it tells me that whoever bought it last year probably paid a little bit more than they should have, but that's not always our control. There's some Beretta, like a current Beretta that I have my eye on, but it comes in like an ammo can. Is the one. And I do wonder about that. Like, am I paying all this money? Cause you gotta put ammo. I'll be honest. I don't ever know, usually know what kind of case it comes in until I've already decided I'm going to buy the gun. So no, that's a good <laughs> Rarely do people know until it like comes out at the end, right after the paperwork. If, if we look back at all the at the 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 gun show of the day that that, that you guys have done on this show hundreds of times, uh, when when they're in the shop, I don't remember once where where they actually showed the box that came in. They only showed the actual product. Sure. Now I can tell you from hanging out in shops and working in shops before, there are people that will double check the box before they make an actual final decision. And a lot of times with used, it comes up because they want to know all's getting included. But like I say, I don't really think I'm the only one that you know decides. Like I say, if there's an extra hundred bucks in a in a little package or some kind of gizmo that comes with it, oh, let's talk about that Mossberg just in case thing, right? Like. 
it's a novelty, I guess, but I'm always going to just buy a regular shotgun before I buy one that comes in some kind of tube, right? But anyway, I'm thinking uh, for some guns, if it's just something I'm interested in or whatever, uh, and I'm not too concerned about having all the original stuff, I'll just buy one used without that box. I mean, I'd rather figure out an alternative way to procure, uh, procure one than to pay money for something that... When I look at one that's used, other than the gun itself, the second thing that I look for is, did they also turn in the owner's manual? I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about that than I am the box. The box is, again, a, like a third layer down. Or if there was a special tool required for breaking the gun down, did, do they, did that come along with the gun? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. So if they lose the box and then I'm paying a lot less for the gun, then great. I'm glad that box is lost and I'm not paying for it. Yeah, having the original box is good to know if, you're, if you've got all the accessories and stuff. But like I said, it's not that you buy it for the box. It's that the box gives you more clues as to whether you have a, the complete package or not. You know, an old uh, Colt or something, you know, an old gun boxes can add hundreds of dollars to the value especially paper boxes which i know it's talking about the fall part so of course collectors guns are a little different no matter what we're talking about but what right. about like sling shields how they come with that stupid uh holster and mag thing and then the mag loader now i've bought one before it's not like i'm immune to this stuff but that's why i am against all this shit now is that i bought one of them one time and i'm like okay i've never used the mag loader ever I've never used the mag carrier because it's stupid. It's they're going like a B-shaped one I had, and then uh, the holster was it was a phobus. So it was okay for some things, but I never used it as a holster. So um, to me, that seems like a lot of extra stuff that for somebody like oh, I'm trying to buy all this stuff at once, or I don't know, I want to make one less trip to the store. Great, but for me, I didn't want to pay for all that extra stuff. Yeah, I'd rather have them knock fifty bucks or whatever all this stuff costs off the price of the gun, so I can pick out the holster and mag carry that I want. Yeah. Now I'd be all about if they offered like the good to go package where it came with all that stuff, and like you say, it's fifty bucks more or whatever, uh, and they give it to you at a good deal. But yeah, they should also offer one that's you don't have to buy all that crap. Uh, you know, this is related to the box conversation, but uh, what do you guys generally think about? some manufacturers that include some accessories along with the gun, whether it be uh, a mag carrier, whether it be um, uh, a beginner's holster, just so you have something versus nothing. Well, I just said, I don't like that stuff. I think it's a waste of money. It's always garbage. They're just getting the lowest vendors source they can. They're preying on people who are inexperienced and unaware or, you know, need one for whatever reason. They, they you know, they're out of state or something and they, need, they can just buy that easier than finding everything. But it's just like a first aid kit or a tool kit for your car. Are you going to buy that tool kit that's at the gas station and be satisfied with it? Like you might use it once or twice and not, you know, be better than trying to use your hands. But that's not what I'm... I mean, I, I guess I'm thinking of it in the, in the same version as somebody looks at like a cricket. I mean, it's not meant to be a long-term thing. It's meant to be just a start through the starting gate. You have something to begin the process. You never right. get, like buying, if you, even if you buy your own holster, we all know that that's not going to be the holster that you're going to be with long-term. You're going to find out that there's something that you like better in some other holster. It's a real good point that yeah exactly nobody has a holster and is satisfied and done so at least it gets you started i guess i would rather them just include an extra magazine than all that stuff 
Yeah, well, yeah, and that's an excellent point because that w- wasn't always the case where you got two magazines, let alone sometimes now three. Used to be you got one magazine if it was a semi-auto, and, and then you had to buy extras. Yeah, that, I mean, that's how the star comes, right? It's got that little pocket. One magazine, that's it. I mean, back in 86, my Colt 1911 officer's model came with one magazine. I absolutely hate magazine, but that's how it came. I absolutely hate it when a gun doesn't come with at least three to start with. Yeah, but that's how we, we've gotten into it. Where it's, we're using modern viewpoints, but looking back at history and how things were. I mean, because there's always people. It's, it's like, well, why are you buying the gun? Are you buying it just to shoot it to range and enjoy yourself? Well, then one magazine might be fine, just because you shoot it. You load it up again, and then you shoot it some more. Now, if you're buying it for other reasons, like self-defense, then one is not going to be appropriate. And there's other reasons for having more magazines as well, but that's just an example. I don't think I own any gun. I only own one or two magazines for. Well, like a collectible gun or like a historic gun. Yeah. Yeah. The only ones, some of my old guys... I only have one magazine because I'm not spending eighty or ninety bucks to go buy a second, you know, a second original magazine. It's especially for a gun that's pretty much a collectible, and it stays in. You know, I take it out to the range very rarely, so uh, it's just not worth it. And at this point in my life, I'm not into collecting firearms per se. Collectible firearms right now, so. <laughs> But uh, G-Webs did bring up a good point about sometimes the accessories that come with it are so lame that it'd be better if they didn't come with it or they just gave you the 75 cents or whatever it costs off the price of the gun. Aren't those padlock things they put in there, aren't those required? Those are required. Well, they're required in some states, I think. So they just include them. Well, right. they, they probably put them in all of them because they don't want to specify what state their shipments are going to. For handguns, that's federal like law. The it guns, is federal? Some, okay. some come with one shell that's been fired to prove that it's safe. I think that's what I was thinking of. That's, the, that's for some states, and it's easier to just include them with all guns. Right. But, uh, I'm referring to things like uh, magazine reloaders to ha- help make it easier to reload, like the Glocks come with it, that, that one that's kind of lame. Some Glocks do. Oh, no, that Glock one is actually, I mean, it doesn't look like much, but as far as loaders go, that's actually one of the better ones just because it's a, you know, simple design. The one that some of the others I've seen where they have, like, levers and stuff, they just, they're trying, but they don't, you know, not, it's not faster. Right. Well, I guess I, I'm comparing it against a commercial product that's that's all they do, and then uh, yeah, the Lula like loaders a, as an example. Lula. Yeah, exactly. They're no Lula, but they're better than some of the... Like, Absolutely. Um, I use my Glock mag loader on all my double stack mags. Yeah, because it's basically a generic size. Or a mm-hmm. generic. I haven't found any it doesn't work on. All single stacks, probably. Well, yeah, but I'm at doubles. But, uh, another tool, like you know, going to AKs, is a lot of times, especially in the used market, that tube that has the uh, not only the cleaning brush and rods in it, but also has tools that are part of the cleaning case itself and part of the tube itself becomes a tool. That little that little uh, tube uh, has a lot of different uses. And unfortunately, sometimes when a gun goes from new to used, it gets lost in the process. 
just like the owner's manuals. And yet they're very functional. You just, you know, it, it may not be obvious, so you may have to, you know, do a little uh, YouTube looking to see how it works, but it'll help you break down an AK a whole lot easier than just trying to use your thumbs. Roosted makes up a, brings up a real good point on the gun channel side. When he buys a used gun, he likes to see the box in good condition with all its contents. That makes him feel good, or it makes him feel like they took good care of the gun. And that's a good point, that if the cardboard box is in great condition, probably just sat in that cardboard box or else in a house where a cardboard box isn't going to get smashed up. Right. It's it's definitely an indicator, but I would think, you know, looking at the deep inside of the recesses of the guns that are not easy to clean, and with a light, look to see for signs of either excessive uh, grit and dirt that's not been cleaned out and or rust is a far better indicator of how it's been taken care of than the condition of the box. I mean, because we all know certain guns have certain parts of it that are difficult to get to to clean properly. True. And sometimes people skip it or they don't clean it often enough because it's a pain in the butt. I found but a lot the condition of, of the box is definitely an indicator of does the owner care for his firearms or not? Yes, that's true. I find a lot of times in used guns, though, whenever I buy them and stuff, they really haven't ever been shot very much because a lot of people just buy them and don't shoot them. Sometimes that's true. Especially the ones they're selling, right? They're selling it because they don't like it. Yep. It went, to, it went to the range once. They didn't like it for whatever reason. It sat in the closet for who knows, you know, whether it be a week, a, a month, a year, five years, and then eventually found itself on the used market. A lot of times people will buy a nine millimeter and then regret it. And, you know, it's a bad life decision for them. So they'll try to make <laughs> a better life for themselves. Yeah. Because who, who needs capacity? Capacity, the cry of the metric. Oh. Okay, so... <laughs> It's that in the in the wine of the double ARP. Hey, when you're older, you need the ability to knock down three or four people with one blow. Except confident. you're not older. No, but when I'm getting older, I want to be comfortable with my caliber choice. I'm in Arizona. There's a lot of retired people here. It makes them feel a lot more comfortable if I carry the same caliber as them. Is there something in the air? So if if I like went there on vacation, I might like come back and want a forty-five. There's a lot of freedom out here, Daniel. You're from Illinois, so what's going to happen is you're going to come out here and, and experience this this individual freedom. And well, one, maybe you'll go back home, but you'll probably go back home to get your stuff, say goodbye to your family or whatever. But uh, yeah, you'll probably have a whole different outlook on calibers once you have the plethora of the whole palette to choose from. Of course, if you drive through Kansas on your way to Arizona, you'll find out we have. All that freedom right here and no desert. Cheetos, could you tell? Sorry. That is true, but uh, Kansas, Dorothy, Dorothy, gets a lot of tornadoes. Uh, not as much as Oklahoma does, buddy. Well, it, it's all relative because Tornado Alley does extend from out your guys through my area onto uh, Indiana and Ohio. Yes, gun snob about tornadoes. He's right in the right spot for him. We just go outside and watch them in lawn chairs. <laughs> Was that a cow? <laughs> Trey says, if you thought about shooting the tornadoes with like a 9mm or something. Ooh. 
What's the nine millimeter again? Do you just get to look right up and do nothing? But it's safe. You don't have to worry about it. Oh. Like make the air separate and probably knock it down a couple. That's true. If you shoot the bottom of a tornado with a 45, it just takes all its air. I can't believe that Ms. 380 is speaking up to the 9 mil. <laughs> I like 40. You know what bothers me? Is my screen sharing still? Look at this. I'm on this yeah. stupid YouTube site. People are on YouTube are okay. Oh, I see. It's because I have the screen squished. I have the screen like this instead of full screen. And it gives me, what, one, two, three, four lines. Like, you know how hard it is to read when people are actually chatting and there's four lines? Stupid That's why I always pop out the chat. Here's gun channels, same thing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines. That's twice as many lines. Twice as good as YouTube. And I appreciate somebody just bought something off store, it sounds like. So not very many sales today. This is sale number five, I think. Three? No. Five, I think, all day. And uh some cool Red Dawn stuff going out for Free Patch Friday today. All right, so, um, oh yeah, Patriot, I can't believe you showed up late because really, I agree with Troy, this has been one of the best DGSs we've had all year. Don't you guys agree? Yes. I can't believe Patriot missed the beginning of this one. Well, ugh, I don't know if you can even get it all in a replay. You know, it had, you had to be there. Uh, so I got a question. Uh, who's the member of the day? Good question. So every day we try to pick a <laughs> member over on Gun Channels to feature. And uh, today it's going to be Tactical Six String. So it's glad Dano's in here because I don't know if any of y'all know Tactical Six String besides Dano. I do. You do. I don't uh, I don't think anybody else does. Tactical Six String is a great guy. I, I want to say, I always get the states confused. Vermont, New Hampshire. Well, he moved though. That's why. I, I think it was New Hampshire, and no, it was Vermont, and then New Hampshire, because I think he's in New Hampshire now. Okay, but uh, yeah, he was a real cool guy. Uh, he, he was heavily into guitars, and, and he was a, actually a very good guitar player, electric guitar player, and as well as, you know, had his own kind of um, collection kind of going, uh, knew a lot about uh, ARs. Um, uh, I know, uh, help, me, help me out on a couple of things, you know, back in the day when I was just starting out with certain things. Very friendly, very outgoing. Also a very humorous guy. He was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. And laid so, back, he really could handle, you know. Yeah, you he's, know gun channels are kind of rickety in the beginning, so those guys that were sticking around in the beginning, you know, it was not as smooth crystal. Right. And I can say, you know, he, he's one of the original guys, you know, that I can say is sorely missed. Uh, you know, from multiple perspectives, whether it's, you know, his, the, the knowledge, his, you know, humorous personality, uh, his other talents, like being able to pay, uh, play guitar riffs off of, you know, various songs. He could just hear it and then just replay it himself. Um, he's a very talented guy and sorely missed. Okay, so I interrupted you. You were about to say something. I just said it all. Oh, before I started talking about six string, I thought you were about to say something. Oh, I forgot. I'm like an old guy in that way. <laughs> All right. So we already talked about. Uh, well, we didn't talk about anything. So we could talk about FFLs, or we could talk. I about remember. You like? Go ahead. In in your cartoon picture there, the guy in the lighter green uh, coat jacket. Robert. Yeah. Uh, he's got a, a knife, and then on the inside of his belt, 
there's that light tan thing. Is that like a, what is that? Is that part of the sheath really holder know. or what? Yeah, I don't really know. I thought that was his pistol grip. I thought it, no. Kind of looked like a revolver grip, but I don't know if we're going to be able to tell. Maybe a knife, a little knife. Like, a, oh, it's a buck. No, no, you know what it is? It's where the suspender comes down and holds onto his belt. Oh, okay. It's a uh, connector thing. Yeah, it's communist leather, so it's like an upside-down belt loop and a ring. Okay. So I just made it look like a knife, because I thought it was yeah, just a fucking drama cartoon. Okay. Because I thought it was like the snap-on to the to, to the knife sheath that had come undone. No, because that's definitely there. See, it snapped there. Yep. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, FFL. It just goes to show that people do pay attention to the details of what you're doing. So if you think, well, nobody's going to notice, somebody's going to look. Uh, FFLs. Talked about this one a few times over the years. What is it? And are there different types? And what are the different types if there are? How would you pronounce that? Hello? Federal firearms license? No, FFL. Oh, it's not an acronym. It's not a word. Right. Acronyms are not meant to be uh, pronounced. Other, They're just meant to use the letters. Like the NBA, we just say NBA. You don't go, mm -hmm. you don't go nibble. <laughs> Oh, so the NRA is it NRA? And no, it's not. <laughs> All right. Well, that was acronyms mansplained for everyone. I do what I can for you, Angie. Thank you. <laughs> At your service. <laughs> Angie. I know my uh, Rolling Stones uh, voice doesn't quite roll out there too well, but. If Tactical Six String was here, he could lay it down for us. I liked it anyway. Uh, Cycle has a, C, um, a CNR, so we have a country that has a separate license for people that want to collect so that the government can keep track on who is collecting, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's in both three. And they referred those to those as classes, if I remember correctly. The classes of FFLs, you mean? Yeah, it's like a class one, a class two, a class three. Not really. The classes come from like Title Two and Title One, and then they called them Class Three for some reason. Um, but they don't, I don't, I don't, I don't never heard anybody go around calling the, the FFLs by classes normally. They're um, mostly manufacturer, uh, seller, or importer, that kind of thing. There's like an 0102, 07 as a manufacturer, and your CNR. Is it true or not true that each one is inclusive of, of the lower one behind it? No, not true. So in other words, if you've got a manufacturer and then you get a um, SOT, you're not going to, let's see. I don't know. I got to say it depends on the hierarchy, I guess. But if you've got, it, it depends on what you want to consider the hierarchy, but if you've got a regular man, like a, a FFL to run a gun shop, and then maybe you add the FFL to be a, a, a gunsmith or something, or maybe a manufacturer, um, it doesn't mean you can do destructive devices. Um, if you get a FFL to build destructive devices, 
that doesn't mean you can build ammunition. So I don't, there might be a couple of things that, but it's, for the most part, it's not like there's a hierarchy. And if you've got the highest one, then you can do everything right. under it. But generally speaking, although it may not be declared as a higher or lower level, like CNR would be like step one. I don't know. CNR is unique because it's for collectors. It's not like not in business. Right. I, well, I, and I guess what I mean by step one, I mean, it's the most restrictive as far as it's just for one person. And it's highly limited as far as what you can and cannot do. Okay. Mm, I'm sitting here looking through my FFL application right now. It says one of the Somebody one. who has a reference sheet in front of them, go ahead and rip through them. I'm looking so through it. So there are uh, lots and lots and lots and lots of different FFL license types. I've the got a common one are one through seven. So, for instance, you were talking about you were talking about uh, regular gun uh, stuff. So, like a Type One is a dealer in firearms or a gunsmithing, but a Type Two is just a pawnbroker. And O One, O Two are the you get the same license either way with them. I got the application right in front of me. And O Six is a manufacturer of firearms other than ammunition. Destructive devices, armor piercing. 07 is a manufacturer of... No, oh, I'm sorry. 06 is a manufacturer of ammunition. It's 07 is a manufacturer of firearms. 08 is an importer. Yeah. 08 is an importer. Those numbers is where I was getting the idea of, of, a, of a class, like class one, class through, but that's where I was getting the... No, they don't, they don't follow any logical progression, really. Yeah, and a class three is basically just an SOT, which is just a different tax stamp. So on your sheet, how many types are there generally? Uh, 10, the 12? No, the 0102 is one in itself. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven total on that. I've got the FFL application right in front of me. Yeah, I'm surprised because it shows separately in the material I'm looking at. Yeah, I thought there was nine or something. Well, this is the... Application for federal firearms license printed off from ATF. Oh, see, that's your problem right there. Now, yeah. I'm going to try to tie two things that seem unrelated to each other. And if it's too big of a topic, we'll just drop it in for another time. But tying in uh, something that seems to be going on lately, especially in my state of Illinois, uh, counties declaring themselves as uh, um Sanctuary counties. Sanctuary counties, you know, basically from the state and federal government in regards to draconian laws. Do you know uh, how naming it is now, by any chance? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, but uh, in relationship to, uh, you know, AFFL, which is a federal thing, and what sort of power, or is it just a, 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 um, a political thing, uh, a feel-good thing to claim your county is... Um, protected in some way that it really isn't well it has nothing to do with ffls really because ffls are is a federal license from the government so that applies to people in the business of basically firearms right what right but if counties if are in a sanctuary county and the federal federales come and say um we are here to uh com compile a list of everyone within this county so for the purposes of collecting firearms uh, we want your list. Does living in that county grant them any protections? None at all. 
not no, all, this, all that it says is the sanctuary county or the counties in illinois saying we are not going to obey illinois law that is unconstitutional so they're not saying okay. we're not going to obey any law so ffls are still bound by their obligations to the federal government okay gotcha i mean i i really do, never and still don't have a good grasp of what the whole how much power there is behind being a sanctuary county legally. And I know it's legally untested and we won't really know until then. I don't have a lot of faith and they're going to work too well. Uh, versus being a feel good measure. Yeah, that's kind of what I think they are, but I don't know anything about it. So, cause I live in a free state. But you've got things like the uh, constitutional, uh, like the Montana law that says if um, someone's going to create an item that would normally be regulated by Title II, so NFA items, uh, I guess the way that the federal government claims that they have authority over NFA items is because of interstate commerce and the potential that they're going to cross state lines so that they then have some interest in what happens. So in Montana at some point, what, in 2004, it was a while ago, said, if you're going to create a firearm and it's going to stay in the state of Montana, then, then the federal laws have no issue here and do what you want. You know? So basically that is an issue for FFLs because they are, a, again, they have a, a license issued by the feds. And just because the state says one thing, um, their law, their obligation to their to keep their license is gonna you know have a whole set of whatever requirements to it and that's where they run into issues with federal uh, law versus ffl or it makes state law versus ffl because basically oh. what it turns out is if you want to create a suppressor in montana or one of the states that are like that you'd have to not be in federal ffl because by being a federal FFL, you'd be at the same time you're you're complying with state law, you'd be violating federal law. So the only way to legally uh, exercise the Montana type of situation would be to not be a federal FFL. Now, if you have your business manager, or your wife, or somebody open up a building next door, and now that's another entity. I don't know what the deal is there. Well, kind of on that same subject, how come a state can't say, well, machine guns or suppressors are legal here, just like they are marijuana right now in all these different states? Because marijuana is illegal on a federal level. Well, that's sort of what we're talking about with uh, the Montana law. It's not that, well, they basically said they're not illegal. They're just regulated by the feds. And the feds regulate based on the idea that you might leave the state with it. So you have to comply with all these these national Thing. So Montana, basically, a bunch of people said, what if we build something that never leaves the state? Then how could the feds ever have any in, in whatever, any Yeah, we, we, def we have a number of, I'd say at least a handful of, of laws between state and federal that have not been fettered out, so to speak, such as marijuana. Um, and then, uh, uh, Snob, you mentioned something else. I forgot what it was. I think you just said the marijuana laws. Yeah. And I was just curious. So if I live, just for example, I wonder if I live in Montana, 
and make a suppressor and go out front and shoot it, can the ATF not come up to me and give me 10 years in federal prison for having that? Correct. They cannot. Because the only way they'd be able to get you is to say, oh, you, you created this without telling us. And Montana said, yeah, you can create whatever you want without telling them. Uh, but the states don't have the right to override the federal. It only goes the other direction. And... And that's a problem we have. We ha have in this country is we have like uh, these sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. Is another example of that same sort of thing that's going on and has not yet been been clarified as to uh, because nor historically, I mean, it's always been uh, you know the states can make something more restrictive but not less restrictive than the federal government. But they're doing that with marijuana all over. But that does just because they're doing it doesn't mean that it's going to stand. Uh, once eventually, at some point, it may hit the Supreme Court, and there will be a decision. Well, case. Well, just to clarify, they can make things harder, but that's potentially a violation of a civil right. Right, but they do it all the time. I'll give you two examples. Yes, yes. No, no. You're, you're. I agree. I agree. I'm just, I'm just clarifying this by withholding high, state highway funds, and the other is by withholding state education funds. That's how they blackmail the states to do into doing what they want them to do traditionally. Well, that's just like when the speed limit was 55 nationally because the state made the speed limit. But the government said, if you, you know, set your speed limit over 55, you know, used to be it was uh, they wouldn't fund your give you highway funds. Right. And, and, and I'm just bringing up these other things as example, theoretically, of the same process or the same type of conflict between federal versus state. Yes, and the worst part about all that is the wheels that turn to appeal and overturn crappy state laws takes a long time. Yes. Years. So long. Like, people die. They live and die under oh, yeah. stupid laws that can't be overturned because the appeals process to get all the way to the Supreme Court takes forever and then once it gets there it takes even longer for them to even weigh in if they do at all and it's so ironic i mean it literally goes from there can be things introduced uh that evening in session and then at 2 a.m be voted on and passed um you know once every you know all the reporters and most people have you know the, the uh public areas most people have long gone um and then, uh, and then, you know, if you're lucky, you might hear about it and for a final decision before you die. Yeah, they're assholes. Yeah, and if the Supreme Court, you know, may reject three similar cases before it finally hears one. All right, well, that, that was FFLs. Do we want to talk about guns in everyday life? We want to take that one. We got a pretty good panel here. It'll be interesting. Not sure. I'm not sure if I understand the question. I'm not trying to be stupid, but well, that's why. I mean, you're not a stranger to the show. I just try to throw topics out so that we can think about them. And the idea is to not just follow whatever the news is talking about. So uh, I don't know. Maybe are we are we winning? Or, I mean, there's certainly a lot of we're aware of a lot of internet presence with gun stuff is that making a dent anywhere do you think guns are uh, more prevalent or keeping their their prevalence or are they are we losing i've got something on this 
All right. So one thing I think that is, you know, these teenage kids, like my kids' age and stuff, a lot of them are more interested in guns just because of one simple thing, and that's video games. And like Fortnite, there's a lot of guns in Fortnite and stuff, and they're all interested in, you know, well, this gun, that gun, and all that. And I think that helps bringing guns into the norm, actually. Yeah. You just have to watch your... You just have to watch your kids with Fortnite and explain that AR is not what they say it is. Oh, I agree. So you have to correct them. So well, my, actually, my daughter, I, I correct her all the time. So. But actually, <laughs> that AR is an assault weapon because it is fully automatic. Yeah, but they have burst model and semi-autos too in that game that yeah. are that are semi-auto only, and they call it an assault rifle. I agree. I mean, but as far as parental oversight, that's just as true in the video game industry as it is in public education. What are they? So, little Johnny, what did you guys talk? What did the teacher talk about today at school? I mean, you, you need to spot check what's going on in your child's life. Yes. I completely agree. Now that's every day. And one good thing about where I live, it's a small town and, you know, there's not a lot of that crap like that that goes on in their school. Hmm. I can't say the same. <laughs> I live in a small town, and I can tell you uh, the school system is very liberal and, and ha ha likes to uh, encourage uh, all of these um, Johnny-come-lately uh, causes that haven't been a problem until suddenly now. Ours has been real good about it so far, you know, knock on wood. And when I say a problem, I mean in their minds, nothing has actually happened. Oh, yeah. They just feel that they need to, well, as prevention, we need to institute this new rule. Well, that's how it works. Perception is reality. That, that's, I think we all know that, right? When people talk about statistics, their statistics are, are flawed and purposely overstated. And so the mere fact that they're saying it is all they care about. They don't right. even care about the con. They don't care about being right, like fundamentally right. They care that they're making the argument that they want to hear. Did everybody catch the uh, assault microwave uh, thing in University of Minnesota? No, what, new story? what's all that about? So the <laughs> I posted the link um, on the side chat. So I guess some kind of police altercation happened and somebody in a dorm room or a hotel, they threw a microwave out at the police. And so that prompted the university to release an email saying that they don't allow assault microwaves on campus. It was totally tongue in cheek though. So it was hilarious. It was like, there's, we don't allow um, microwaves with bump stocks attached. We don't allow, uh, microwaves with high capacity magazines we don't allow uh microwaves with baby killing rounds it was hilarious whoever did that is probably fired this was recently yeah yeah the, like i said the link is in the description i think there's a if you search for assault microwaves on the youtubes you'll probably find it Looking at the schedule, we've got a uh, shop today is a shop in Nebraska. So, um, Travis, 
posted these on the Instagram the other day. We looked at that. What was that shop we were looking at yesterday? It was in Michigan. Was, uh, that huge shop? That thing was huge. Yeah, it was. So this one I thought was pretty nice. Look at this, Dano. Seen this? Oh, shit. Look at that. All you, all you can eat ice cream with unlimited bacon toppings, and all you can drink coffee, espresso, lattes, espresso, etc. I hope there's a chair nearby. There's what? A chair to sit down. Oh, come on. They got ice cream cones. You don't think they got a chair? So he, I think they're just single pictures. Like There's just the two. But yeah, it looks like a pretty neat spot. They actually have a little station there with food. That's kind of neat. I don't know Could what you, it's like in Nebraska. Imagine you guys that live in the big states, right, where you got lots of room and not very many people. You probably have fewer gun shops, so it probably takes a while to get there. Imagine that's cool, having like a bit of a destination once you get there. Could hey, you Garrett, imagine, uh, like a road? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, could you imagine the dad that's like, "Hey, kids, let's go for ice cream," and you know, mom and the kids all get in the car and they pull up to the gun shop. They're like, "Let's go get that ice cream, kids! Come on!" It gives them gives them ice cream. He's like, "Okay, I'm going shopping. See you at the range. Bye." <laughs> you buy like half the guns you buy there. It's like, oh, there's a bunch of ice cream in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the ice cream gets you in, but I see Skynet got in the picture. Yeah, it's not annoying. They got these little Skynet boogers hanging from the sky everywhere. That other shop had them too. Hey, Gary, I'll pick you up in the morning. We'll take a road trip to Nebraska. That sounds like a good deal to me. Free ice cream. Heck yeah. I'll even buy the ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Might even pitch in for gas. So I was going to say, for me, Gary. What's that? It's going to be a long trip for me, Gary. I hope you got lots of gas money. (laughs) But you did say might. Might, yeah. I was going to say the ham radio outlets, they all have coffee machines, but they haven't stepped up their game to uh, ice cream makers yet. That seems like a recipe of failure, having a bunch of people twiddling a bunch of knobs and crap on radios and ice cream in one hand and <laughs> sticky <laughs> fingers. Yeah, 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 exactly. That seems like a problem for guns, too, to be honest. So, yes, definitely hand my five year old that revolver. Yeah. They'd have put my sticky fingers all over your nice glass. Uh, Displays. Yeah, ice cream cone drips a big old drip on there. Just get like, place. just get a cone in each hand and go. Please, sir, take me to your gun vault of your high-priced <laughs> firearms. <laughs> you like have any one. pythons? Yeah. Well, think about the the Bass Club, Bass Pros, and the Cabela's used to have that. Uh, like the gun vault. Yeah. Cheap. And they definitely they sold candy and all kinds of candy and sugary. Oh yeah. Downstairs or in the same floor sometimes. Yeah, the last time I was in Minnesota, there was one that uh, they had, uh, yeah, it was a Cabela's, and they had the gun vault, and they had, like, it was, they had just a double rifle, a really nicely engraved double rifle. They were offering, they were asking, like, 10 grand for the damn thing, and I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. I sent it to Tex Grabner. He was very jealous. I just posted uh chat. Because it's Red Dawn Day, I just posted a AK-47 chat with text, or no, it's one that I replied to text back in 2012. Oh, nice! I replied to him on like he did a video back when you could do video responses. Remember those? Oh yeah, he did one on like what's your favorite movies? I still talk to him, man. That guy is he has got his life, um, you know, working out a lot, looking really good. Is he still weird? Yeah. 
Of course, of course. <laughs> you don't you don't fix you don't change that. But as far as like healthy, he's real healthy. Yeah, he's in Illinois, Dan. Would you ever follow Tex? Uh, I, I I know of him. I I've never physically seen him. He lives uh, at the other not at the other end of the state, but about two thirds of the way down. Yeah, that's why. So what's idea. that like? Five miles? No, no. Illinois is bigger than <laughs> shit up and down. I'm no. just kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, it's it, it's it's about uh, eight nine hours to get from one end to the other. Oh wow! Look at you guys. We're skinny. Yeah, but skinny. We're long. Skinny and long. That's California in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, no, they're not California, but they're like if you took uh, Kentucky or uh, what? Uh, Kentucky or Tennessee. Yeah, Kentucky or Tennessee and turned it sideways. I got gotcha. you. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, he's a interesting dude. I, I like his archery stuff. I'm still a fan of his stuff. I watch it from time to time. His like 3D archery that they do, it's kind of like sporting clays, but for archery. I was like, really? That's that's a good idea. Like they set up a like a mock hunting scenario. Like they'll use 3D targets and they'll put them behind cover or concealment, and you have to try and score a like a vital hit on the uh, on the target, and they tally up the points and stuff. It's pretty cool. See, uh, head bust, head button me with the rifle. No, I'm just dragging and dropping right now. So that was our gunshot. We do try to feature a gunshot every day, and uh, uh, thanks for people that go out there and uh, feature their shops on their social media. Whenever we see that, we'll try to include that. If you ever want to make sure we see it, feel free to email us dailygunshow at gmail.com. And uh, it's one of our goals is talk about different gun shops every single day. Um. Let's see. What do we have? Anything else we want to talk about? We're right about an hour, it looks like. I just I gotta go watch the assault. People watching. <laughs> uh oh. So, what the hell? What is that? What's Red that dawn is happening. That's an amber. Yeah, exactly. That's an amber alert. Okay, so here's the deal. How do I close this? Is, I thought that was the national emergency thing. It's not just. It sounds like weather. No, it was an yeah. amber alert. So oh, here's what? Tucson. Here's where I'm at, right? Yeah. Tucson. Now I'm zooming out, and here's the state of Arizona. Pretty big. Yeah. This Good was size. in. This was in. Over here somewhere. Oh Jesus! <laughs> bullhead. It's in Bullhead City. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in Tucson. You're in Los Angeles. This was an amber alert. It's Mom. probably. It's closer to me than you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they're giving you that one. Maybe because there's so few roads. Maybe they we they think we'd see it on the highway or I, it says the car. So yeah, anyway, that was all that was. I'll get that. I'll I'll make sure I send that out on the uh, the Morse code later when I'm on the radio. I think that uh, I don't mind the concept of something like that, but I I think it would be better if instead of just broadcasting it to everyone, um, and they would make it a thing where if you cared you you'd sign up for the alerts right and then that way it would go to the people who have the inclination to be paying attention well you actually you actually can opt out of it on your phone you can, yeah, you can. turn the setting off so that you don't get it anymore i don't think i tried before because i was like you know i'm not i'm sitting at home what are you giving me shit about what's on the road right now i don't want this I mean, like, they, you kind of want the weather ones, but sometimes the Amber Alerts, I don't know. Yeah. There's not much you can do in a lot of situations. I don't know. The yeah, weather the ones, one of the like, oh, it's raining. Tornadoes. Thank you. 
I can tell when it's raining. I don't need to tell. Or I'll get the uh, I'll get the flash flood warning, and it's 105 degrees and no rain uh, where I'm at in the in, in the non lowland area of Southern California. It's like, bruh, what 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 is going to happen here? My neighbor had a a, a main a water main break that I got to worry about. Yeah, but the weather ones are kind of nice when you live in Oklahoma and you actually oh, yeah. could blow away. Yeah, but you've got Skywarn there. You've got better uh, stuff than the, the state runs. That's where the amateur radio stuff, the uh, emergency preparedness, Aries, Racies, all that stuff, like that's way better than the state. The state gets their information from those guys. You familiar with Skywarn? No, I've heard of it. But I don't Skynet? Know. Yeah, but it's <laughs> like, but warning about things from the sky. <laughs> I don't know what I'm tied into, but I know I get the ones for uh, tornadoes and in, and intense thunderstorms. I've got a weather radio app on my phone that drives it, you insane. Uh, it tends <laughs> to be a text rather than a phone. Just well, get a weather a radio. System, but... Yeah, that's usually either NOAA or your state uh, weather service providing that service. Yeah, I just get a weather radio. I mean, the two reasons I like it is, is one is, is it doesn't call me, so I don't think it's a person. I know it's a machine. And uh, the other is that uh, it, when bandwidth is, is – let's say there are some systems that are down and they don't have full bandwidth, it doesn't take much to get a text message across successfully if systems are at, like, partial capacity. Yeah. I used to have a weather radio. I guess I still do somewhere. I don't know. Probably in a closet somewhere. I do. I got the the the, the, the Noah thing happening. In fact, I got two of them. I got one with a solar cell that I keep underneath my lamp, so which is what I'm sitting right next to. So for every night that's turned on for a few hours, you know, the the, the lamp to keep the battery charged. I when I do my uh, like fire detector testing of the batteries things, I I go I also test my radio. All right. Well, that's good. That's that's definitely a positive. Yeah, make sure you're doing that. Just having it without checking it, you might as well almost not have it. See, I'm just gonna blow away in the middle of the night, but you know, it's all fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got my radio. <laughs> I know it's in here somewhere. Well, I don't want to turn this into a radio chat, but I'm tempted to see the cycle and Hosh have anything to talk about radio. So before we do that, is there anything else gun related that we want? I saw that Potatoes has a um, has a room open, so uh, there'll be a, a live chat after this one. Who did you say that was again? Potatoes. Oh, potatoes. Okay. He does the tater tube. I'm surprised he's not in here now. Well, because he opened up his own room. He had a link. Ah. All right. Well, anything else going on? Uh, it's Red Dawn Day, so I don't know. Uh, after that, maybe, or depending on what goes on, maybe we'll watch the movie later or not. Um, we forgotten history. I think there's probably other history. The Buffalo Bill shoot is going on right now. 
How was your, uh, you did the radio show tonight, Josh? Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, it was it was one of the boring ones. Um, I'm trying to get through the general class license um, manual, which means that we got to cover rules and regulations, and that's the the boring episode. And it showed we only had about 60 people at the peak listening. Um, so you know, it is what it is. That's, that's kind of how it goes. But next week we will be doing a radio build. So I'll be building a 20-meter CW radio. It's super high portable uh, field radio. CW only, so you got to know Morse code. But it's cool because you get to build it yourself, which is a nice little – it's kind of the gunsmithing of radio, if you will. Hey, you know, uh, as a technology question, do you guys happen to know if – during the uh if you log on to one of those through roku on youtube does it show up in the counts or anything uh well if you log in with your youtube into the roku you're logged into that account right i just didn't know if, you, if you've ever noticed any of that stuff because you can't comment or anything no you can't but you can subscribe to channels and you can give thumbs up and you can give thumbs down that whole thing Plus, you'll, you'll often get an email on your main email that says, hey, you logged in from such and such device. Did you no, want to no, do no. that? I use that uh, quite a bit, and it'll continue. You know, if you quit in the middle of a video, you know, you can pull it right back up where you were when you get on the, your phone or your computer or whatever. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I've got one of those Google TVs, and I have my YouTube logged in, so I can just, from my phone, if I've got, like, a bunch of videos that I queued up, I can just shoot it to the TV and I can jump back and forth very easily. So it's it's nice to have if you got it set up correctly. Is that the Chromecast? No, it's a Google. It's a television that has oh. Google TV loaded on it. A lot of TVs have that. Now, do you have? Projector. Does it come with its own internet connectivity, or do you? Ha does it have to write off your internet? It you can write it off of Wi-Fi or um, off of a network cable, and I've I've got a Cat Five cable shoved into it. Okay. You got a long way to go if you're going to get this clean by the end of the show cycle. Oh, I'm still having a hell of a time taking it apart. Uh, the, <laughs> I see that. Well, the 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 biggest problem that I had was taking out the uh, the mag release because the, I can't find any. Believe it or not, YouTube failed me, and I cannot find any uh, disassembly on the BM. I can find the B, but not the BM. And it turns out that the magazine is disconnected is totally different on the two of them. Uh, so, yeah, on, on the B, they just used this This pin as a threaded uh, nut on the other end, and then there's a blank on this side, and you just screw it in. Well, this one has this really amazing uh, spring-loaded doohickey in it, and what looks like a screw isn't a screw. It's you. You have to push it all the way in, and then turn it into a channel. So I wasted a lot of time trying to figure out why I couldn't get the damn thing done screw. But that's okay. So that was the biggest problem. And then the second biggest problem is I know the trigger pin has to go from right to left. 
but this one is so old that it's it's frozen up and I'm having a hard time moving it. I did spray it with penetrating oil and I have got it started. So it has now started and I can, um, now I'm gonna be able to take it apart. But that just cost me a lot of extra time uh, on this uh, on this particular project. It's not anywhere as near as dirty as I thought it was gonna be. I mean, uh, you know, the amount of rust that was coming out of it, you know, because it was floating out with the oil. So it looks a lot worse than it is, but it's just really a, a couple of little pieces of surface rust here and there. But I did notice on my on my trigger, you remember I had the problem when I was using it. Uh, I had the problem where the trigger failed to reset and the gun went off while, you know, while I was partnering with it. Well, you, you probably can't see it. Uh, no, I can't see it. Hold on a minute. Let me let me focus on me so I can see what the hell I'm showing you. Uh, so if you look, so here's the right here's You're the trigger and there's the bar. Yeah, I'll get there in a minute. And <laughs> there, so, here's, so here's the trigger and there's the bar and the the sear is actually the sear engagement point is right here. I'm trying to move backwards here. Sorry, you're off the camera again. Uh, okay, uh, like that. There right there. So, so when I pull the trigger, look at this Z-shaped piece of metal right up by that hole. And I don't know if you can see the amount of rust that's on that. And that's what's sticking this trigger up. Oh. Rusting, it's rusting here underneath this part right here. Yeah. So I really need to get that out of there so I can so I can do it. But I'll tell you what. The, you know, people are talking about, oh, man, it's, you shouldn't get a star BM because you won't be able to get parts and they're real complicated. This is one of the simplest semi-automatics I have ever taken apart. I mean, um, you know, once I get this trigger mechanism out of here, there's like nothing here. So I have a lot of questions for you. And I know you said something briefly about it one time, but uh, I, I know you, you've got virtually most uh, of the uh, World War II era rifles. Uh, an example of that. Um, and I know you said something about pistols, and I can't remember wh what the you said in regards to why you hadn't gotten in them or whether that was later or what. Well, I just haven't got around to it. It's just, it's just really expensive. You know, the, 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 uh, the wheel guns are not that expensive. Hey, Cycle Camp, have you ever held a Johnson? <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, I apologize. I didn't come on the panel last night because you guys were overloaded uh, with panel people, and I was, uh, and and I honestly was not up to it. But uh, I yep. wanted a Johnson. It was on my list for Tulsa, and I saw one down there and picked it up and followed it. But you know how it is when when you want to follow another guy's Johnson, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> So it was just too much money to fondle the Johnson. So I said, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to buy it." But, I heard but, that you know, if you, I heard that if you fondle another man's Johnson, they pay you. No, no, that's not how it works in Tulsa. <laughs> well, I, I hear there was how much was it? Because they're super expensive, right? Oh God, it was like it was like four, four or five grand. Oh wow, that is. I could have bought all the other guns. All yeah, yeah, the yeah. other guns I bought, ten guns, cost yeah. me less than that. So I Is said, it? no, I'm going to leave that on the table for another day. Leave the Johnson on the table. Which was which is kind of embarrassing because when you find the guy Johnson, you really shouldn't leave it on the table like that. But you never know; someone else might want to come along and and you know pick on it or. People whatever. do look, but it is okay to tap it, but no more than twice. Don't poke the Johnson. Angelina's yeah. always wanted to touch a Johnson, but never been able to. That's correct. I find that incredibly hard to believe. <laughs> 
But anyway. Anyway, yeah, I was on the chat last night, and so when that came up, I was like, oh, man, this is going to stick around for a while, and I will make it yeah. stick if I have to. But, yeah, Cycle Camp, I saw oh. your comments about shotgunning. <laughs> uh, I saw your comments on the shotgunning, so I was I was trying to relay as much as I could because I know you're a shotgun. Oh, yeah, that's no too. problem. No, you had, two, you had two guys that really did a lot of shooting. I do some shooting, and I've taken, I've taken two firsts, a second, and a third in the five in the five years that I've been doing it, uh, but I am I am a very basic, easygoing guy. I do not believe in spending a lot of money on guns because it's, it's not the gun; it's a shooter. You, you you take a guy that can really shoot that stuff. You can give him, you know, Uncle George's old shit box from hundred years ago, <laughs> and he'll still knock those birds down. So you know, we didn't hit that, but that's a great point. It's it's, and I I relate shotgunning a lot to golf because there's so many similarities, and there exactly. are, there are a ton of people who come out in the field and they've got some whiz bang gun, and they spent many thousands of dollars on it, and then we've got this guy, and it's it's this guy is such a good shooter. He come out to skeet day with a model nineteen, uh, uh, sorry, model forty two, a like Browning forty two. Or it was a Winchester 42. Either way, pump action 410, and he'll run lights out, 25 rounds, no problem on skeet. And so it doesn't matter what gun you have. It really doesn't. Yep. And I just so you know, when I started playing golf, I started with a pair of antique wooden clubs that have no sweet spot on them at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just once you learn to play with those, you buy a modern set of clubs, and it's like, oh, my God, this is like driving a jet plane. It's yeah. Bad. They weren't yeah. antiques when he started. They weren't. No, that's true. No, they, they were brand new. new when he bought them. Yeah. Well, he carved them himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of fun, and I really enjoy skeet shooting. I and I had just shot that evening. Actually, I shot a twenty-five and a twenty-two. So. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, and a twenty-two kind of sucked. I I keep picking my head up. You know, I know uh, I'm for skeet. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about expensive shotguns and stuff. My favorite gun to shoot with, of course, like I said, I don't shoot competitions or anything. Just goofing around is my old 1148-20 gauge with an adjustable choke that was handed down to me. Yeah, oh, poly. You got a poly choke on that sucker? Yep. But that's my favorite gun to shoot skeet with. That's a great gun for that. Is that the one that has the big, like, uh, looks like a compensator on the end of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. That's yeah, those are wild. Yeah. You, just you grab know, them and twist them. Yep. Yep. One of my favorite guns to shoot. Uh, they can go very expensive. The sky's the limit with this thing, but it, American trap gun, a uh, Browning BT 99, just a really nice single shot shotgun. Really good for trap. Oh, yep. That's, there it is. That's it. God, that's a weird, look at that. Yeah. A nice little semi. Yep. Man, hope, everybody guys. Saw that. hope everybody saw that. That was a good one. You don't see those every day. When they show up, it's kind of like, whoa. No, but whenever you see them in a pawn shop or something, I keep saying I'm going to find a 12-gauge used in a pawn shop because I've seen them before for like 200 bucks. I mean, how many semi-autos can you buy for 200 bucks? Yeah. Like, uh, sir, we don't have silencers. Those are illegal in this state. Yeah. <laughs> but the only bad thing about this thing is this stinking 20-gauge most 12 gauges as uh, you cut out there what would you say what about 12 hold on let me turn my bandwidth back down it keeps clicking is that better 
all the yeah. rust in the stupid gun is right here on the trigger. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So I got. I need to clean it out. Yep. You'd be there yeah. all day if you didn't clean. If you didn't get that piece out. This so, thing. What do you think? Twelve gauge and twenty gauge. Though? Yeah, I'm still trying to get the. Am I better now? I turned my bandwidth back down. I think so, I, but it was it just I, cut out. It's, it was clear. It's just the cut out one word. Just was a anyway. What oh, was okay. Twelve. Okay. No, uh, I think this twenty gauge eleven forty eight kicks harder than my twelve gauge, just eight seventy because I don't know. It's that recoil blowback operator, whatever, and that it throws that whole bolt back into you, and it kicks like a mule. Well, usually that's supposed to dampen the recoil. It doesn't. Everybody that shoots this gun says it kicks harder than a twelve gauge pump. Really. That's why a lot of guys shoot semi is because it softens up the the recoil. Yeah, but this one has that big bolt that flies back into you every time. So. Well, yeah, but I mean, you're still if you think about the physics behind it, if you oh, yeah, have a yeah, you're if you've got a closed breech system, you fire it, all that recoil is going into you, versus with the semi, it's going into the moving mechanism. Maybe it's just the spring is pretty light. Yeah, and it's an old gun, so it may be. Yeah. What uh, what was the model and make of that twenty gauge? It's an eleven forty eight Remington. Are, are, they, are those still in production? No, they weren't. They weren't in production very long. They came out in like forty eight, went to maybe fifty nine or sixty, I think. Uh, we got somebody in the on the YouTube side who's bragging about his Johnson, John Brown says you guys are welcome to come to new hampshire and shoot my johnson just bring bring ammo wow that's notice cool. he said shoot not handle um i'm assuming one begets the other <laughs> now is that a pump johnson you definitely have to pump it <laughs> oh and, and g-webs i wanted to mention the uh the, the uh that's a rotary magazine on the Johnson, it's a yeah. turnaround rotary magazine, and it loads with stripper clips that the 1903 used. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking of a different one. That the Craig Jorgensen. Craig Jorgensen. The Craig Jorgensen, the Craig. Yeah, that, 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 that's that. the one where you drop the box on the side and, yep. and dump the rounds in, and then the, the okay. follower comes in when you close it. That was the uh, Rough Rider gun, right? Yes, Roosevelt loved that. I have one yep. of those. That's a nice gun. Yeah, yeah. You can, unfortunately, you can find a ton of them, uh, sports drives, but you can find very few of them in original condition. And I happen to have one in original condition. Oh, cool. What do they do? Cut up the forearm, the foregrip? Yeah, they, 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 they slice it all up. You know, turn, sometimes they turn the barrels down a little bit, but basically, basically they screw the wood all up, basically, is what they quickly do. Yesterday's pomade. I've heard your likelihood of shooting a Johnson increases exponentially if you appendix carry. <laughs> Technically accurate. So, well, that, that increases the chance of your Johnson going off. I don't know if it increases the chances of your Johnson. Now, boys. Tonight, 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 did we do all the Johnson jokes that we didn't do last night? <laughs> so we're going to uh, steal a topic that um, Clover had talked about in his chat earlier. Um, he had a Q and A chat on his Friday chat, and they uh, one of the questions that came up uh, in answer to the question, Clover had mentioned some things about recoil, 
And I thought that was interesting because I don't remember if, if we've talked about that in a long time, if ever. Um, and that's, you know, there's different recoil impulses or different types of recoil. And uh, we'll talk about that next Friday. And then um, because Cycle's been hanging out on the show, um, we're going to put a topic in for a couple of Fridays out. So it's on the tech day. But we'll dig into actions and talk about all kinds of different actions and ways that firearms get bullets or cartridges up into them. I love this concept. It's a really good idea. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna do that, you need to do that after September first. Just so mm -hmm. you know. Because you're adding more to your mix or something? Uh no, because I'm gonna be in Norway. Oh, okay. When are you leaving? I won't be back. I'm, I prefer not to say. Oh, okay. So then uh yeah, well I'll get it with you off air and we'll get it. Well, I'll be back by I'll be back by the Monday after you know, the first Monday in, in fact. Yeah, right on. We'll get it on this schedule for a future show. So I think that'd be interesting to talk about. They don't have internet in Norway? Yeah, they do, but I don't have my guns. <laughs> well, they have guns It would Norway. be nice if somebody said, oh, this kind of action, and I was able to run back and say, wait a minute, I'll go get an example of that. I mean, there's a few I don't have. All right, well, we've got 28 people watching still towards the end. We ran a little bit over tonight, so I uh, appreciate everybody who joins us live. It's really what we're trying to do here is have a uh, exercise in the new media. And by that, I don't mean taking an old-fashioned radio show and putting it on the web or putting a television show or a published magazine online, but instead using the communication things we have and the ability to sh share screens and to play with different pieces of software. Clo uh, cycles over there cleaning a gun. We've got people from all over the country, and if you count the people that are watching live, we definitely span the country. So I do appreciate people that jump in and, and participate. And, uh, of course, all the people that might be listening to this after, uh, you're welcome to participate in the show as well. We have the email, dailygunshow at gmail.com. Anytime you like to add, con add contribution or uh, comments, feel free. I encourage you to uh, participate in the various places we post the show. Uh, for lots of reasons we've explained those in the past and uh hopefully everybody went out and watched red dawn today it's a really cool movie uh, it's a significant one and uh i think a pleasure to watch so with that uh we have a quote uh, i saw one in the side chat so i didn't i didn't get mine ready we do have a quote i'm gonna do it i'm gonna be bob or the cycle whatever uh so here it is Far better it is to dare mighty things with a more timid spirit to know neither victory or defeat. And that's on... What happened? You think you walked down a hallway or something? What? You went very quiet. Oh, should I read it again? Oh, I think it's because I turned down my volume. It's not helping. Probably. It would be helpful because you cut out a little bit there. Okay, I'll read it again. Yes, please. Far better it is to dare mighty things than to take rank those poor timid spirits who know neither victory or defeat. When holding a Johnson. Guys and gals of gunwebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching gunwebsites.com.